You can check us out on all major podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Check out our social media on Instagram at Menovation and Facebook at Menovation Podcast. Episode 16, Menovation, coming in hot. If you listened to the last episode, oh my then God. you know, <laughs> then you know our guest is just chock full of wisdom and so much great knowledge. Um, again, thank you for being here, Pastor Matt. Thanks for having me. We uh, So this episode, we wanted to focus around adversity. And uh, this is initially actually what we wanted Pastor Matt on, is he has a powerful story of facing adversity, facing a very large adversity, and it just how he navigated it, how he came out on the other end, um, how his family is flourishing now on the other end. Because so so many times in life, as we all know, we'd face these big things that happen and they rock us, right? Whether it's a death, whether it's sickness, whatever it is. And sometimes they destroy us. And I think pulling from other men's experiences, other people's experiences, just help bolster us, hopefully help inspire, encourage all these things. Um, so Pastor Matt is going to dive into it. And just, uh, he's going to give us an overarching uh, kind of overview of what happened. And then we're going to start to unpack it. We're going to start to dive in um, and just pull out some gold for our listeners. Um, and just know that you're not alone. When these things happen, mm. as Pastor Matt said so well in the last episode, you're never alone. That's the biggest lie of the enemy of the world that tries to convince you that you're alone. You're the only one facing these things. And that's just not true. That's obviously one of the hearts of innovation is that we're here to do this life together. We're on this journey together as men. Um, so Pastor Matt, please kick us off, um, kind of dive into this uh, the story of adversity that you have. So Right, right. Thanks again, guys, for having me back on. Uh, hopefully I do good enough and I get another invite. I'd love that. <laughs> um, so I want to just, I'm going to do this quick and then I'll let you guys, we can dissect some things, but I want to set the platform here that leading up to this kind of defining moment, and I will call it a defining moment, tragedies, uh, fa facing tragedies can be a defining moment for a family. Yeah. And uh, I apologize if at parts I get a little uh, choked up. It's, no, absolutely. You know, but when it's your kids, so this, this, this associates around my second born, Asher, who is four now, uh, or about to turn four, still three. Um, but I'm coming off the back of literally, I would say, the hardest three years of my life. Uh, this was at the point I had felt like I'd really failed in ministry. I was essentially benched for a season. And uh, I had wanted to, I tried to go back in the corporate world where I had a lot of success. I realized I was not happy there anymore. So I decided I want to be an entrepreneur. Uh, we had almost lost everything in 2018. Uh, Expensive life lessons, but <laughs> expansion too hard, leveraged a lot, and we lost big time. So we overcame that. We didn't go bankrupt. We were, I was kind of getting back on my feet, but I just want to say going into this moment, it was not like one of those things where I was like, life was great. And then I faced something. Yeah, I felt like at that moment, my batteries and my, uh, my winning was not hitting. Yeah. So I was in a kind of a low. Now I had had some, some personal victories and growth in my life. But I was just low on batteries. So that's where I came into this moment. 
And it was uh, February of 2019. And I was on a business trip in Texas. And the first thing that's amazing is how good God is. I was, mm. I came back early for a meeting for an, uh, another business I was trying to start. And that meeting had got rescheduled, but my business partner forgot to tell me. So I, I landed a day early, but God was so good. And I was mad at that guy for forgetting <laughs> to tell me. But here's what happened. While I was in Texas, my wife called and said, Asher seems like he has a sore throat. He doesn't want to swallow anything. And so we assume it was, and he had kind of a wheezy cough. Now he had had croup before. It sounded just like it. We're like, okay, probably has sore throat and croup. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, we're giving him medicine and just thinking it's a cold. Uh, the morning I, I flew in that night and the next morning we woke up. How old was he at this time? He is two. Okay. Wow. So uh, he, we wake up, he's in the bath uh, or he wake up and he had slept with us because he sounded wheezy and we were a little worried. So normally we don't let the kids sleep in the bed, but we just want to keep an eye on him. So he wakes up and he's just sounds really wheezy. So we're like, I think we're going to take him to the doctor. Uh, so we put him in the bath, hoping the steam will kind of release some of the pressure. Yeah. And my wife yells all of a sudden, she says, honey, Asher seems like he's going in and out of consciousness. Oof. Uh, wow. or he, he seemed he's, and we weren't sure if it was tiredness or he was oxygen deprived because his face wasn't purple, but he was not in a good place. So I throw the whole family in the car. My wife's in the back with Asher. He's in the car seat in, in the back and we start to drive and I'm like, okay, we live a couple miles from a hospital or our doctor and they're, they kind of fork. And I just feel like, you know what, we're going to go to the ER, you know, like I, yeah, I, this, yeah. there's something different and I'm not an ER guy. Like I'm actually usually not a doctor guy. I'm like, oh, yeah. rub some dirt out. You're Me fine. Either. <laughs> you know? And so yeah. we go straight. And as I'm about to get on the freeway, he starts going kind of in and out of consciousness and he's starting to get white and pale and purple lips. So we wow. realize he's not breathing very well. Ooh, um, yeah, yeah. so wow. I am flying, right? Like yeah. I fly, boom, we get to the ER, we get him checked in. I just run in you know, carrying him, he's coming in and out. They start putting him on all the machines and I'm yeah. thinking, okay, we got him to the hospital. Like maybe he has, uh, maybe it's asthma attack. We'll see. Like they're going to get it good. And the doctor kind of, they're being frantic. And I realized it start. I had this just brick in my stomach. I'm like, yeah. and I, and finally the doctor says he's in really bad shape. And he's <laughs> like, we're called. So we lived in San Diego, which Rady's hospital is a children's hospital. It's one of the best. So he's like, we called the ambulance. We're taking him to Rady's. Wow. So they rush him to Rady's and uh, he's just, his little chest is pounding out of his chest. And we get into Rady's and I'm expecting at some point, the doctor's going to be like, we got this. We know what it is. Yeah, and the doctors yeah. are literally like, we don't know what it is, but his heart's going to fail if we don't get him uh, uh, incubated because he cannot breathe. And so, you know, they rush him down to the OR and they put him on life support, uh, put him in like a medically induced coma and put him on life support. And they come in and uh, they say that he has an infection that's pretty much, they haven't seen it since like 1970. It's like an extinct infection. Wow. It's called HIV wow. HIB. Um, and uh, they're, you know, they're not giving any hope. Like they're like, yeah, right? he was in real bad shape. His heart was going to stop. I'll stop right there to my friend uh, who does pastoral care, runs pastoral care for our church, Lance. I called him on the way. He has a little boy too, so it hit home with him. He ran to the hospital. Thank God this is right before COVID so he could actually get in. <laughs> and uh, right before they were going to take the OR, he shows up. And all the doctors cleared out real quick because they were getting uh, prepped or something. Yeah, yeah. So he just runs in there. And mind you, Asher's sedated at this point. 
and he begins to pray for him. And I'm just going to get really real with people because there is a spiritual aspect of things. Mm. He says, you know, spirit of affirmity come out. And Asher shoots up and starts trying to pull the tubes out of him. Wow. And he was sedated. And the doctors rush in. And at that point, part of me went, holy cow. Like, they're, they're just spiritual aspect of that. Yeah. And this rage rose up, right? This rage. How dare the enemy come against my family? All that. So they get into the OR. Thank God. This one doctor said, while we're beginning the breathing tube, I want to check. Because the only way you can find out if it's this hib disease mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is it causes the flap that closes when you drink water mm. to swell up. So she said, before we put the tube in, I want to put a scope down. She, there's no reason. This is a non-existent thing. But wow. this one doctor, wow. I, I Thank forget God. her name, but I will never forget her face. She scoped. She figured out what it was which gave the doctors at least some, med they had to pull up old dusty records of how you treat wow. this thing. Um, so he was in life, he was on life support. And like I said, we can dissect the story, but here's the gist of the story. They said, it's just going to be touch and go. It was really rough on his body, blah, blah, blah. Uh, all bad news. And uh, they said, you know, he could be in here months. Uh, there is the chance that we're not going to get him back, whatever. You know, at that point, you just make a decision. It was cancel. Um, the next five days were nothing but the most extreme amount of prayer, communion. Yeah, I yeah. would not allow worship music not to be on in that room. Yeah, I would literally, doctors would say things. I would just say cancel. Mm. Uh, pray over my boy um, for like five days. The end of the story uh, is he has just they. He begins to have radical, they're like the, the number, they're checking all the numbers again. Like, sure. it can't be this good. It can't be this good. So after, I believe it was four days, they, uh, they say, okay, we're going to try to take him off life support. And uh, he wakes up and they were like, you know, he might need to stay here another three or four weeks to get mm. back on his feet. Within 24 hours, we were out of the hospital. Wow. And it was wow. such a radical thing that the doctors from the ICU that had treated him, when they saw that because they moved us down once he was off of life support. They saw that he was being dismissed. The doctor came in and like kind of frank, she's like, what's going on? There's a mistake here. And, and yeah, I'm like, yeah. no. And she grabs his chart and she's looking, she's looking. And she goes, um, so one thing I would say over Asher when I pray for him in those four days of life support is, you're my shock and awe, baby. You're going to shock and awe the doctors. And wow. uh, and I would tell the doctors, like, he's, he's, he's the miracle baby. Watch, watch. He'll be out of here. And so the doctor, as she's flipping through the charts, she goes, I guess he can leave. This is a merit. And she stops because she almost said it's a miracle. <laughs> and she stops because she's a doctor, right? <laughs> and I'm like, no, you said yeah. it. You said it, girl. Yeah, you you yeah, know yeah, what yeah, it yeah. is. Uh, anyways, like the whole case, actually, they, we had to sign all these papers. They're using it in, in uh, medical classes now because it was such a crazy, this doesn't happen. Yes. And then his recovery. So it ended up being like this whole big thing. They asked if they could literally use it for like write papers on it and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's, that's the gist, man. I thought I was going to lose my boy for a few days. Um, and uh, I'll tell you, like nothing, it puts perspective. And anyone that's gone through something like that where you're, it's about your kid or family member, you, you, you would understand that, that all the, all the things that I said were drained my battery were like, mosquitoes right i'm just like you're, yeah. you're nothing yeah. compared to this moment wow. yeah so that's in a nutshell the story and the journey well let's can we start from the beginning yeah, yeah. okay yeah. Yes, of course 
So kind of walk us through, I mean, because I feel like in those moments, I mean, I know I've had some personal moments like that. Uh, my wife has epilepsy. And I remember that moment when they all the doctors fly into action, right? right? And it's so overwhelming, yeah. right? She had two moments like that. One uh, before we were married, another one when our first kid was born. And what is the emotion or what is the feeling and maybe the thought process that's kind of going through your mind when, because you, you hit it so on the head. When you took him to the hospital, you're like, okay, we're good, right? Because you get that, you're like, okay, hospital, right? We're just, and oh, I think a lot of times that's true, right? We're, we're, we're kind of conditioned this. What is the thought process? And then leading up to the thought process, they're like, no, we're not good. Yeah. What is kind of going through your mind? Because um, obviously you have your wife there, you have your other kid. You know, your other kid, I'm sure, is experiencing some of this. Yeah. Um, what are you, yeah, what's going through your mind? What's your thought process? How, how are you navigating this? So it's funny when the doctor came out and I saw the look on his face and he told me like, your son's in bad shape. We're rushing him to Rady's. Um, this fear came over me and I, and I felt like I heard this voice, like, I'm not, I'm not ready for this. You know, wow. like I'm not, I'm, I don't. I don't know what to do here. And obviously, you know, my wife is, you know, it's hitting her so hard. And honestly, the first thing I want to do is call my dad. Yeah. You know, like yeah. there was a little bit of that, uh, like I need another man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and I think I did. I said, dad, we just pray. And, and that was good. And then I kind of felt like, you remember the scene in uh, Apollo 13? when they realize like everything's gone to hell, mm. right? Like, oh, every, yeah. like you're <laughs> like the, the mm. ship's falling apart. Right. Um, and I, it was weird. I actually heard that phrase where he said, failure is not an option. Mm. Right. And so I'm not a doctor. I can't look at charts and figure out what medicine he needs or any of that, but I, but I can pray. Right. Thank you. He just got me a tissue for those of you who <laughs> can't see this. Um, His eyes are sweating. Yeah, bad. It's a masculine eye sweat going on. Over yeah. here. Right. Um, failure's not an option was yeah. the term. That, and I, I was like, all the, all the going to church, all the reading the Bible, all the learning how to pray with authority was, I, I thanked God that moment that we had a Tuesday men's prayer at 530 in the morning. And come all on, those mornings I got out of bed, I'm like, oh, it's so freaking early, you know? I was like, I'm so thankful because that's all I can do right now is, mm. is pray. That right there, I think is so powerful. And because when you were, I want you to continue, but just the failure is not an option. Right. And I feel like that is the mentality so often that we need to carry when it comes to our families, our marriages, business, mm. whatever. Mm. Failure is not an option. That's something I think that men have lost. Yes. And not to saying a failure is bad, not of that, but in that moment when you're fighting and putting everything on the line, it's not an option. That's yeah. powerful, dude. I'm going I'm to start to leak. Were you a pastor Were you leading a group at that time? I mean, like, you know, no. I, at that point, like I said, this was kind of my bench season. I mean, I was oh, still okay. an ordained pastor in our church, but I was just leading a uh, house Bible study, if you want to call it that. We call them connect groups. And I was serving on like our, uh, we call it DNA. It's like a new person team. So no, I, it's not like I carried like, this clout, right? Um, or anything. I was just a dude that knew Jesus at that moment. And uh, I'll tell you this, I want to give this nugget, you know, so often when we see a friend going through something, mm -hmm. 
we feel this need, like we need to manage expectations, wow. right? Like you wow. don't want to say, you, you'd be scared to say at that moment, Jesus is going to heal your boy. Because what if, what if people have lost children, you know, like sure, what if it sure. doesn't happen? But I'll tell you what, you managing my expectations in that moment would have done zero help had it gone wrong. All I needed was people that would stand with me and say, failure is not an option here. Failure is not an option, right? Wow. I didn't need somebody to prepare me for the worst. God's grace is good enough that it'll be there. But when your friends call you and say, will you pray with me? They're not looking, for, they're looking for courage, right? So I had, yeah. I had men that were with me and there was no like, God, we just pray your will be done. No, 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 no. It's like, God, that boy will not, Yes, that we will not lose Asher. He will shock in all the doctors. And I, and if anybody would have came with any lack of faith, sorry, man, like you're not the man for the moment for me, you know, Ooh. because nothing else matters to me right now. Wow. Failure's not an option. So that was the shift I had to make because I couldn't let faith not be in my wife. I couldn't let Levi see us falling apart, you know? So, mm. and God's grace was good because there were moments I felt like I was going to fall apart. Sure, sure. But it's just, <laughs> yeah, failure's not an option when it's your kid, right? Yeah. So I, and thank God I had men that think like that too. Men that love my son. And so, uh, you know, their prayers weren't weak. Their prayers weren't soft. Wow. Their prayers were, we are going to see a victory. So perspective critical there. perspective yep that's huge so in that moment um there's like literally no control that you can yes really take to help you know in a physical sense with you're not a doctor you don't know anything about this disease the doctors barely knew about it right? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> infection uh was there any sort of peace through throughout that time because i mean mm, that's most good. people's yeah, minds question, yeah. go towards the worst like there's this daunting overlooming like you know, we could lose my son. Yeah. Was there any sort of peace or in that, in that trial? So I'd say the first time I had peace come is I mentioned that, you know, uh, Pastor Lance had come and when he prayed spirit of infirmity, which I know kind of sounds Christianese, but there is a devil, you know? Mm. And uh, God didn't make disease. God doesn't use disease to teach lessons. I want to break that. God didn't give you cancer to teach you. Now he will, Romans 8, 28, use those things mm. to bring gold. Yeah. God is not the author of cancer. The fall of man creates, creates disease, the devil, all these things. So <clears throat> when I recognized that there was a spiritual element of attack, a peace came over me because I'm in a church where we do pray and we fight and we contend. So I knew this is where I have some control. If this is a spiritual attack, mm. I'm the spiritual head of my household. And it was the first time I felt like I was, I became on the offensive versus I was on the defensive, right? I was just trying to stop all the bad news and everything was yeah, falling yeah, apart. Yeah. But when I realized that <clears throat> this is an attack on my family, that shifted, that shifted. And I was like, okay, failure's not an option. And I'm going to make sure I control the spiritual atmosphere. When did that, sorry, remind us when did that, uh, I think you said when, when Pastor Lance was praying over your boy, were you in RADS at that point? Uh, yeah, we were at Radies. Oh, yep. Oh, Radies, sorry. Yep. Yep. We were at Radies hospital. He rushed in and it was like just this divine thing. Like it, any other time he wouldn't have been able to, mm -hmm. but the doctors left. And this is, I go back to having strong men in your world. 
I didn't even ask Lance to pray. He saw that yeah. there were no that Come he on. that no one wow. was touching him, and he just jumped Went after on it. it. Yeah, and it didn't. I mean, sure, we prayed for the doctors, all that, but he just said, "You're going to be healed." Mm. I mean, he yeah. began to speak the word of God that by Jesus' stripes we're healed. So, came in with radical, and 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 he opened it up that this is not a freak thing. You know, this is this is a, a an intentional thing coming against my family. I just want to point to that real fast. This is why we harp, and we have said so many times on this show that having men around you yeah. that fight with you, yeah. that have your back, um, this is honestly like men's prayer for us. Um, and if you don't have a men's prayer at your church, you should start one. Start one. Um, has I know it's affected my life. Because whenever I get into these moments, I mean, obviously it's nothing like you were facing in this moment, but I just imagine that I'm kind of beaten up on the battlefield. I actually pray this over a lot of men, but I'm beaten up on the battlefield, right? I'm looking around, surrounded by the enemy, so to speak. And you just hear this roar, right? And it's and you hear it build and build and build. And it's your it's your tribe, whatever you want to call it, your your squad cresting the hill. And they're running down the hill to have your back. And that's just what I see. I'm sorry, I'm very visual, but I just that's what I see uh Lance and your and your and your men you were surrounded with, your family, like running down this hill. And it's like he already he can see what's happening and he just blows past you and he just hits the enemy head on. And that's yeah. kind of what I visualize is like he very quickly can see what's going on, right? And he's like, I'm not gonna wait for anybody because I know that my roleness is to fight with you is to mm -hmm. battle with you and these if you're not surrounded by these types of men this is one of the reasons why yes as as pastor man is explaining this story is this is why we say these things is because it's in these moments because we will all face them when you need those men not to come and be like well sorry your son's gonna die or whatever it is and, yeah. he's, and he, he just said that but he's gonna fight yeah and those are the men you want to stand toe to toe with and these are something that is that spirit that's lost in our men and i just think this this story is so powerful and it illustrates that obviously amongst the other things so well yeah um how how was and it, you you can speak to this however you want but how was your wife kind of handling this and because obviously she is a powerful woman of faith herself yeah um and how did you navigate leading right in that moment you know it, it's a she's she's a boss so uh, I'm thankful for her. Uh, I just think women's capacity to feel yeah. is a beautiful thing, but it's it's so much, you know? It's, totally. it, it's more than us. Like, totally. I heard a good guy said, hey, if you're angry, your wife can feel 10 times that. You know? Ooh, and sometimes wow. I get real angry, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, so <clears throat> I, like I said, I, I began, I, I had been getting knocked off my feet left and right all for about four hours till Lance showed up. Yeah. And when I realized the devil was coming against my family, when I realized that, and, and it, I knew it, but you know, it, it was just having that guy jump ahead of the battle line and strike yeah. something. Yeah. And <clears throat> it clicked. And um, I knew what my wife needed was failure's not an option. Mm. You know, it's just if, you know, you'd be in the hospital, because mind you, when he's on life support, now things get quiet. Yeah. And this is where the devil Ooh. can really start to mess with you. Because yeah. doctors, for whatever reason, uh, 
don't like to infuse hope, which I honestly think is, is, is not good. Mm. I think the power of hope, but I think we're so afraid that if we get people's hopes up, listen, it doesn't Expectations. matter. It doesn't matter when it's your kid, <laughs> you know, like yeah. nothing you could do. If I, yeah. if I lose Asher, nothing you could do ahead of time makes it any better. That's powerful. Mm. Right. So why do we go down that path and yeah. why don't we just all keep hope? So my job was if she, if I saw fear creep in the room is we're going to take communion right now. Mm. Or I just randomly, I'd just go pray for Asher. Um, you know, there was, uh, this one's a little hard, but I, it, it helps encapsulate the moment. Um, so when you, when they had him in that medically induced coma, the doctor, I started to notice on like day two that sometimes his heart rate would go up the, on the beeper thing and I'd see tears and, uh, on him. Yeah. On, mm-hmm. uh, coming out of his eyes. So I asked the doctor, I said, um, you know, what's going on? He says, well, he's coming a little bit out of consciousness. Wow. And when I realized he was crying, um, sorry. It was like, uh, sorry guys. A little no, no, here. Um, no, no, no. Take, take, take your time. Yeah. So when I realized that he was crying, um, that doctor left the room and he had all these machines and everything. Yeah. 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 And you know, and like they were like, Hey, don't, you gotta be careful. You can't touch anything. Like, you know, you don't, I, I freaking pulled the, I folded the gate down on one side and I just laid on him and put my head on his head and, uh, just would whisper to him, daddy's here. You're going to be okay. You've got this. Mm. You're going to be okay. Daddy's here. And, uh, and his heart rate would go down when I would do that. And so, uh, there was a lot of it. (laughs) Anytime the doctors weren't there, I pretty much was (laughs) letting him feel because if he was at all awake, I wasn't going to let him think he was alone, you know? So that was just, and that was like my, my call is like to, my wife is a, more of a rule follower. So I just <laughs> like, uh, we had a Christian nurse who ended up getting double shifts. We had the same nurse the whole time, which is amazing. And she was a Christian. She taught me how to go on the heart rate monitor. Cause it's essentially a computer and how to get YouTube and play music. <laughs> so the doctor come in and their machines were playing uh, worship music, yeah, you know, like yeah. it was just this perpetual. My job was to keep the atmosphere of faith and he's going to be okay. And, and, and I saw my wife, she's, she's a warrior, man. Like she, she rose up, but I knew that my job was to not let fear be in that room. So if the doctors would come in and say anything negative, show us a negative report, immediately I grabbed my wife and said, we're going to cancel that. And I, and I kept wow. saying just the same thing. I'm like, babe, he's going to shock in all the doctors. Baby's going to shock in all the doctors. He's a miracle baby. So that was my place in the thing is like, I... I think men have a little more of ability to compartmentalize. Sure. So I, you know, I had to unpackage and obviously I still have emotion around it. It was a hard moment, but um, I compartmentalized all my fear and I just put it and I said, stuff it. Like, I don't, I can do this right now. I don't need to think about that. I can turn it off. And all I could, all I would think about, all I would focus on is victory, 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 victory. And that way where women are processing. If my wife was processing the fear, yeah, yeah, I listen, but I, I would not amen it. 
I would not mm-hmm. come into any agreement. Mm-hmm. And she, honestly, there wasn't a whole lot of that. She was on the same page sure, with sure. us, but I just would not allow it. Yeah. You know, I think that, well, you just, that little illustration that you were talking about that story, it's just an, such an illustration of God, like when him doing that to us, mm-hmm. right? Just to the stuff that we're going through. So that was, whew, I don't know if there's a dry eye in the house. That was so good. I'll say this too. I don't even know what to ask next. I'll say this too. It really was. So some of the gold is, it was so, I would say, remember how I told you leading up to this, I was pretty, I was kind of defeated and my batteries were low. Yeah. Yeah. I think as men, we, when we're hurting, we go to trying to numb. Mm. We shut down our emotions. We numb ourselves. Whether we use a substance or just, we can, we'll, and that's where like a lot of wives will be like, I just don't. Don't feel connected. And you're like, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> it means we're shutting down. Yeah. And I realized just like my son was on life support, I had been shut down for a couple of years. And I realized how God had been approaching me is that he's not sitting there going, Man, I'm so I'm so disappointed in you. Yeah. You know, get up, you suck. You know, he I was on a little bit of a life support myself spiritually. And to realize that that's how he'd approach me, because that's how a father does. Like he's yeah. right there. I yeah. believe in you. You're going to shock and all the doctors. Yeah. So, did you have any um when when on, on that during that time when you have to break down and you have to go out so your wife cannot see it? Do you have to fight a battle, you know, because you have to show yourself strong in front of your wife, your family. Mm-hmm. Is there any time when you have to just stay apart and then just deal with what you're feeling, how you're feeling? Um so you know, After the first night, you start kind of doing the, um, we have, we have Levi too. So, you know, we did like the, I'll sleep here this night, you sleep here next night. Um, so sometimes, yeah, like, like in the night I would just get with God and, and just tell him how I feel. I'm scared right now, you know? Wow. Um, and it's a weird thing I do, uh, but I don't. I I don't have a theological base for it, but I'll sometimes pray. I'll say, Holy Spirit, fill this room so that the enemy cannot hear what I'm about, what I'm saying. Of course. Wow. So yeah. I just get with him and just have those moments. Um, the other time I broke down is another good friend of mine. Uh, you know, friends that just show up, right? And, uh, you know, that was a place like, you know, he he was he's a dad. His name's Paul. He's a dad with two boys, about a year apart. I mean, but they're... They're a little further. They're eight, you know, they're uh, young adults now. So I just felt so safe there because, uh, like, he would understand more, you know. And I, he just gave me a hug, and I broke down a little bit there. So I don't think courage is not, it's not fake, right? Like, so everyone knows I'm hurting for my son, and I, I and my wife knew it too. I just would be very cautious of how I ended, like you, we end a prayer with an amen. So it's fine to have those moments, but make sure you, what you amen, right? Read the Psalms. Sometimes David is like, man, life sucks. This sucks. This sucks. But he usually ends with, but God, but God, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So I don't think uh, being cold and cow, my wife needed to also know that I, yeah. that I'm afraid. Yeah. I just had to, like I said, go back to the Houston control room, like Houston, we have mm-hmm. a problem. Yes. I'm not going to say we don't have a problem. I wasn't fake. I, they'd come in and say something bad and we'd cry together. Right. But then 
what am I going to amen? What I, and I just came okay. back to like failure's not an option, you know? Okay. Yeah. You talked about perspective and how uh, your perspective shifted after the fact. Right. What 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 do you mean by that? Like what what shifted? What what perspective was changed? What did you? Um, what was the good that came out of it? Not uh, not that your son, you know, yeah. that's obviously the blatant and obvious good thing, but like perspective wise, like your view on God, your view on trials. Yeah. How, what 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 changed? So yeah, that's great, man. That's a so one. It shook me. It rattled me out of my my funk. Mind you, a year later, I was asked to come pastor here. Um, it just it harnessed like for, so. For one, another story, another time. But uh, when my wife was pregnant with Levi, for like six weeks, she was on pretty much on like high level painkillers and uh, almost in that coma state too. She says she wasn't, but I'm like, I was talking to you. You weren't there. <laughs> um, and so it's like, we almost kind of lost both my boys in two seasons. And so one, Dang. my perspective is like when I, when a sedated child gets prayed for and wakes up, uh, kind of comes out of it when we were fight, when we said, you know, spirit infirmity, one, it changed my perspective on my boys is like, I believe there's big plans for them, you know? So if adversity comes against you, sometimes you got to man up and go, maybe there's a reason. Maybe I got a purpose. You know, maybe I've got a bigger purpose here. And then two, it just, it like, like the ending of this story is so good. Um, And so it just, it reinvigorated the power of, of what God can do. And I I don't think it would have turned out that way without the prayer, without the spiritual warfare we went to for him. Uh, The doctor said it shouldn't have turned out that way. So you said um, you kind of sound like you had a little bit of a routine, like right when he he gets uh, he's in uh, the ICU and everything. Yeah. Um, what do you think prepared you for that? Because it sounds like there was always, there was always some training, if you will. Right. Because our natural reaction, I don't think, is that. Right. Right. It's hopelessness. It's you know, he's he's going to die. All these things. Because we're conditioned, I believe, that through the world and through the enemy to think that way. Right. So what do you think kind of prepared you for that, if you will, or trained you for that? You know, the funny thing is, is that where the enemy was getting me is it felt like nothing was working for the couple years leading up to that. In, like I said, minor areas compared to your kid. So I had to pull out, one, it was testimonies. I had to pull out testimonies deeper than that. Wow. Right. Like further back. Cause I've had times where God has just shown up, shown up, shown up. So one, I would, I would begin to rehearse all the, we call them God stories at our men's prayer, but we do this thing at men's prayer where we go around and after we kind of, we'll do a little worship, we'll maybe do a corporate prayer, but then we all share the, but God moments in our life and yeah, infuses yeah. faith. So I had to, I began to just pull all of the, but God stories out of my life, began to pull all wow. those up. I go to a prayer group where when, like you said, we charge the hill, right? My theology is not, God doesn't give disease to teach people lessons and God doesn't, God, God always wants to heal. So I just, it was all of this good theology, Wow. right? Wow. I mean, if you, if you're going to a church right now and you haven't heard or seen a miracle in six months, even I'm not, I'm not like crazy, like getting out of wheelchairs, but if nobody's had a miracle house, no one's had a miracle baby. Like I just encourage you, like start a prayer group and start to see that, mm. you know, um, and start to infuse because 
There are moments in your life where you have to have those. You have to. Failure's not an option in this moment. But it was all the times getting up and going to prayer meetings. It was all the times going to church every Sunday. If you're a dude that loves Jesus, but you don't have like community and you don't go to church, uh, you are grossly unprepared for the moments of life that you need an army and you need to have trained. Damn. You know? Wow. So conversely to the to the question that Abe asked, like in situations like that, you almost want to be kind of bold and brave and 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 be positive and uh, lead. Is there a time and place for vulnerability? Like, could could you have been vulnerable at that time, or did you have to kind of put on this you know bold face? Right. I mean, like I said, if this wasn't like a, you know, like a Care Bear story, here. Mm. like I was, we were fully aware when the doctors came in and said, you know, this disease used to kill a lot of babies, and wow, you know, I was fully aware of the the diagnosis, and to not be showing any emotion, I think would have been terrifying for my wife. Mm. Right. So Mm -hmm. like if I never shed a tear, she Mm -hmm. saw me cry. I mean, like I said, guys, when I found out that Asher might be awake and he's crying, I was just like flip man, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, and, uh, so it's not that my wife didn't see me bleed. She just didn't see me cower. Okay. Right. Okay. Mm. And, and if I, that's good in a moment, I was scared. I could tell her, and I'm mm. scared, but that's where I said I had to pull up this, this, this reserve. And even though I thought I had no reserves, I realized I had reserves because I didn't just have my stories. I had other men's stories. Mm. I had the church, mm. you know, and I had a church. I had uh, probably, I have three churches praying for me because I've been in church my whole life. My yeah. parents have yeah. a church. They prayed for it. Another church that I'm friends with the pastor, their church was praying for it. And then our church. I'd say I had upward of a thousand people praying for mm. my son. Um, and some people I don't even know. I was getting, I mean, I think I had a thousand text messages. Wow. People were getting my number from the men's prayer group. Uh, mm. and, you know, there's like a hundred dudes in this men's prayer group. Uh, people were giving me, people were sending me food. People were, I mean, we were just inundated. And so beautiful. that's, that's, that's what I'm saying, guys. Yeah, like, uh, so you good. know, yeah, I could be vulnerable but I just had so many resources to, ouch, that news hurts. But then it was like, okay, what what we would, our routine was this. There was worship music playing at all times in that room. Whenever bad news came, we would take communion. It says, do this in remembrance of me, right? We'd take communion. Communion is a weapon. Mm-hmm. Just to remind the enemy, like, no, Jesus paid the price, right? There it is. So, so I'd lean on like a, a, a principle in the word, so I'd say, yes, I was, yes, there were times I was afraid and yes, my wife would see that, but it gave her courage because she'd see me step into the fear. So I'd just say this to men, like our wives are good with emotion. They're better at emotions than we are. So you can show emotion, but your job is then to come back to grounded center, grounded mm. center. Failure's not an option. So we would cry together, but then my, my go-to was Failure's not an option. So are we going to pray? Are we going to prophesy? Are we going to call a friend to pray for us? We're going to do something because we're not going to sit here 
and soak in this. We feel it, and then we're going to do something. So basically, it's the leadership you're talking about. This is the situation. This is real. Yeah. This is what what we're going to do about it. Yes. And th and that's men, right? Like uh, how many have had the argument, I don't want you to fix things, you know, like yeah. when your wife's talking about <laughs> feelings, don't fix it. Just listen. Uh, in our last podcast, one of the questions we were going to say is if you could change anything about men that men are prone to, what would mm, it be? Yeah. And mm. I would say nothing because in God made us the way we are for certain moments and tasks. There so we're fixers. Yes. We need to learn to turn that off when our wife needs to share her emotion. But in that moment, I'm freaking a fixer. Yeah. And I'm yep. glad I'm wired that way. You know? Yep. Yeah. That's I, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, no, it's, Damn, it's, it's, wow. It, this is great. And and I'm just I'm just thinking there might be someone listening to this right now and like, yes. oh, now this this is what I need. This is what I need. I'm, yeah. I'm I know that God is take, is gonna use this uh, testimony, you know, for all the ones that are gonna be listening right now. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I will invite you. Just trust in God. Look for men that are that I'm around you. You need that. You need. You cannot survive alone. The enemy is gonna is trying to attack you. Good. It's trying to destroy not only you. It's trying to destroy your kids, your family. So mm. I just I just is really important. Look for a church, you know. Uh, communion, you know, do all those things. That's that's mm -hmm. the reason why we're sharing this with you. So it's amazing. The environment in the room right right, right. now in this room is powerful. Yeah, it's powerful. So let's uh, let's turn tables real quick. I, there are listeners on this podcast who uh, maybe they went through a trial and it didn't turn out the way they were yeah. expecting. Because wow. we hear wow. all about the victory, wow. man. I Come did on, this. Tyson. I prayed. Mm -hmm. And yep. uh, in fact. Uh, I know someone who who came to the church and and there was so much faith in the room and it almost offended them because they went through a trial and I believe in their father. Right. They were praying and they felt like, well, I prayed too and I did those things and it didn't turn out the way. So what right. do you say to someone who, you know, they went, you know, they had the faith, they were praying, they had, uh, you know, a, a band of people around them supporting yeah. and there was hope, but it didn't turn out the way Ooh, they wanted. Wow. How do you... Yeah. What do you say to someone like that? How do you, where's their healing in that? You know? Right. No, it's such a good question. And I think about that. I know people that have lost kids, you know? And yeah. I, I just think, one, uh, my perspective is different now, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like feeling that there's, there's no, uh, just the pain of knowing I could lose them was more pain than I've ever felt in my life. And then to think if I had to walk through that, I can't imagine. But here's what I would say is we recently, I've, I have had seen so many God miracles, man. A friend called me, their mom was uh, just a few months ago, like on life support, heart failing, everything was going bad. They called me and I had that temptation, right? Like her, she's older. I'm like, what are they looking for right here? Are they looking mm. for faith mm. or are they looking for... And, or should I manage it? Because if this miracle doesn't happen and I start declaring Jeez. she will get out of the hospital, am I, I think we're afraid or we misrepresenting God, you know, and that's why we do soft prayers. But I realized they didn't call me for this. Ooh. They didn't call me for a counseling. Mm. His grace is sufficient if, if it goes wrong. So yeah. I just, I began to declare and you can call it prophecy. You can call it whatever you want. I just said, she will not die. She will get out of that hospital, you know? And in this story, it was so crazy. They went in there, they went in there with that faith. They started praying in tongues. The nurse comes in, gets baptized in the Holy Spirit and starts praying in tongues for the first time. <laughs> like, it was like a crazy story. So I've seen stories like that. I see them all the time. Yeah. But there are the times and there's mysteries and there's things where people, if you, if you called it a, 
like a checklist. They did it all, right? They got a, they got the prayer circle going. They, they're praying in tongues. They're taking communion. They're doing all the things and it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And I would say this for those people. One, uh, you know, like I said, I've not lost a child. So I would encourage those people to find men or women that have gone through something. And, and, and once again, we don't do life alone. Ask them what happened. How did you get through? Look for people that have fruit. They say, wow, their life is still, they're still living life despite the tragedy. Um, so you surround yourself with two. And then two, we don't, we don't get the luxury of changing our theology based off of our experience. Wow. So if, is, if you're a faith-filled person and you have had a loss, I want to tell you, I'm so sorry for your loss, but do you want to go the rest of your life believing that God can't do a miracle because the mystery's here? On the other end of heaven, all the tears get wiped away. But our job is, Jesus said, bring heaven down to earth. Mm. So we're trying to make it as close to heaven. We're trying to see the miracles. That's our theology. That's what the Bible says we're supposed to do. We're supposed to... Jesus said, you'll do greater works than me. We're supposed to pull this thing down. When it doesn't happen, all things centered. And like I said, I'm not trying to speak from a play. I, I don't, I know that that pain and there Bible says that there is a season for grieving. So if you're grieving right now, that doesn't make you not a strong Christian. If you're hurting yeah, right yeah. now and you go, God, I'm angry at you. God's a big God. He's not afraid of that. You can tell him that you've got to grieve. But at some point, if you're going to shut down and say, I can't go to a faith-filled church because I didn't get my miracle that I believed God for, like, do you want to go the rest of your life not seeing a miracle? Because guess what? Like hard things come. I wish I could Mm. say that's the only tragedy you'll ever, potential tragedy you'll face, but there might be another moment where you need that. And so I would say, grieve and it's okay to grieve and it's okay to even be mad at God that didn't happen. But you got to talk that through with him and with other people, but don't leave a faith-filled church because you might need another miracle. And I'm telling you, so when I was facing Asher, now obviously the I told you that perspective-wise, all the things that had happened to me were nothing compared to this, but understand that God, I felt like God told me to start a business and I had just barely saved myself from going bankrupt and lost about $200,000. And mm. I felt like God had let me down. So I went into this season. I said this at the beginning. I went into this season feeling like God had been letting me down for a few years. Wow. But thank God I was still in the faith-filled church. Thank God I didn't let uh, the business stuff or marriage struggles or you know, ministry failures. I thank God I didn't let those take me out and change my theology because in this moment I needed a miracle again. And I looked past the three years that I can't explain. I can't explain why it felt like God's blessing has lifted off my life, but I knew who he was and I knew what I had to do. And so that's what I'd say to those people is grieve. You can talk to God, you can talk to people, but don't run away from a faith-filled church because his mercies are sufficient. And he will give you, he, it might never look completely the same. And some, some, I would say this, if I had lost Asher, there wouldn't have the, the only true full point where that would never hurt again will be in heaven. Right. Yeah. So, so I true. would yeah, that's a always great carry, um, a grief in that moment, but I know how God works. He brings so in this side of heaven, he would bring so much beauty from that place of pain for this world 
if I continue to be with him and I process it with him. And then on the other side of heaven, he'll, he'll write the final wrong, right? So, but thank God I didn't have to do that. And I'd say for you, I don't understand that pain. If you lost a child, I've lost loved ones. But if you, if for the person listening to this and you lost a child, would you want to go the rest of your life without a faith-filled church? Because at the end of the day, you will be reunited with that child. You will, and it will all be good. But do you want the, it to, the enemy to win by stealing the rest of your life? Or do you want to live a life that brings glory to the pain, that brings uh, the loss, that you kick the devil in the teeth for the rest of the time you're here? So when you get to that right place, it's like you almost stuck it to the devil. And, mm. and I know that might, you know, if you're just fresh in the grief, listen, like <laughs> this is not the conversation, but if you're, if you're yeah, multiple years yeah. and you've pulled out of church and you're still mad at God, go back in there and tell God that you're mad and get back in a church that's faith filled and, and live a life that I, I, you can never write it, but you know, like a live a life where you say, Hey, when you get to heaven, you talk to. If I had to go talk to Asher, I would say, Asher, losing you in that life was the hardest thing I ever went through. But I want you to know that daddy kept going and mm. daddy lived a good life for Levi and daddy held his marriage together. Mm -hmm. And look, if you lost your marriage, like I said, just, just pick up now and get with the Lord. He can, he can re, he can begin to bring beauty from ashes. Never will you look back at that moment and think that was a good thing. Never. I'm not saying that. But let's continue to walk with the Lord in trust because it will all get righted in the end. The, the end of the book is a great ending if you've lost someone that you love. It is. All tears will be rubbed away. Wow. Uh, I mean, like taking Christianese out of that as well, though, I right? Mean, like yeah. like the, the greatest athletes in the world, do they give up after their first failure? No, right? right? Like they, they keep going, they find encouragement, they surround themselves with people that encourage them. They keep fighting, they keep practicing, they keep going to mm. morning prayers. Like you don't stop. And like, they don't, I mean, if, if, if Tom Brady said, I, I give up on football after the helmet catch and right? Like, yeah. and, and, and just gave up, they would not have won the Super Bowls that they did, right? So it's, you just got to keep going. It's hard at that time. That failure is hard, but you've got to process it and you've got to surround yourself with people that can help you through it and, yeah. and then go at it again. It's great. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality of living in a fallen world, right? Yeah. We, we can all but guarantee those things will come, right? unfortunately, you know? Um, and pr learning to process, walk through. Um, I just love how your whole story is, it's constantly pointing back to Jesus. Honestly, pointing mm, back to Jesus, yeah. right? That whole time you had people around you, you and obviously your wife were just constantly leaning into God, constantly leaning into God because everything else is kind of worthless, right? You know, or not going to live up um, when it comes to that. And and I love how you said that. Uh, work out your grief with God, yeah. Because if anybody's going to understand it, you know, it's going to be God. And kind of going back to that initial illustration. Uh, that I mentioned earlier, when we're in pain and we can't process it, and we're kind of in that, almost in that comatose state in life. Right. And God is there and he puts his head on our head or, you know, he's there and he's whispering to us. Um, man. And it, I mean, it wow. has to be supernatural, right? Like yeah. I, I do understand what I'm saying. Like if, 
if you had a massive loss, like a spouse or a child, you lost them. I'm not diminut like, yeah, yeah by all ra rational things, it should be the end of you. Mm, mm. But you're still here. Yeah. You know, and, yep. and, and we got to test the word. Is his grace sufficient? Yeah. Is his love sufficient? And, uh, I've just, I, I've seen it. I've seen it. I can't say from that level of, like I said, if this had gone the other way, uh, but there are people and every great movie that we all love yeah. is men, Woo. you know, there's, I think of the movie, yeah. the Patriot. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, that movie mess you up, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. but fierce, fierce tragedy, uh, you know, just having that heavenly perspective of like, okay, this will get righted. What am I going to do now? Because there's still other people that depend on me and, and, and I, I still have this life, you know? Yeah. Do, do you think that uh, going through that trial, like really changed your heart almost to like others? Like, man, other people are actually legitimately going through what I just went through currently. Yeah. How did, how did your heart shift throughout this trial? Uh, to be honest, man, I feel like honestly, it was kind of the making of me, you know, like hmm. I, I've always been prone to be like a risk taker, probably I'm wired to be, you know, entrepreneur and I love people and I, I had all the gifts, but I had to really solidify in that moment. Who, who am I with my walk with God? Um, am I, you know, it, it definitely gives me perspective for people uh, to even feel a taste of the idea of losing a kid. Like I said, this I've, there in scales of a thousand, there's no pain like that pain you feel when you think when you in that situation you can actually feel like this could happen. So having it happen, I I just know I don't know, you know. Um, but I know that yeah, it softens your heart and it puts things in perspectives. And it really does too. Like the anchor of our soul is I will fight tooth and nail to, so after this, I'll tell you this, and I don't say this a lot, but like after this experience, because I have seen some miracles and I have, um, I have had times where I've gotten like prophetic words from people that were very accurate. I had been feeling like God had been asking me to do a 40 day water fast for a couple of years and I didn't want to do it. And so after that, about a month after I did a 40 day water fast, nothing but water for 40 days. It was, I'm not saying people have to do that. It was just something spiritually, but, but I'll tell you, it was not hard. I've had three day fast, 10 day fast or way harder. I mean, it, there were times, but the point was that in my head, I was like, if I can begin to operate in, in God's power a little more and I can show up to that hospital room and get a miracle for someone else, I could dedicate my life to pursuit of that because mm. I'm so thankful. Mm -hmm. I'm so thankful for the power of God. So it did change me. It changed a lot of me. <laughs> um, and maybe you answered it right there, but what would you say was your biggest takeaway from this whole experience, facing <sighs> adversity, walking through it, um, all those things? What would, you, what would you say is your biggest takeaway? I'd say my biggest takeaway is that um, this is going to sound kind of funny, but it was kind of the end of my pain. So like I said, I'd just gone through this season where I, all I can say is like, it felt like my life since I got saved in high school, ever since I got saved, it was like God's blessing was on everything I did. And then mm -hmm. I went through this season of like four years where it felt like nothing I did worked. 
and I still don't fully understand, but I know this fundamentally changed my character. Wow. And I'd say this pain is a doorway that Romans five talks about our faith is stretched. If there are no trials, there is no, there's no testimony without a test. So we do face trials. Hmm. Um, but pain is a doorway. It's not a living room. Yeah. So that broke something off of me when Asher got out and I just, something fundamentally shifted me, shifted in me. And I knew who God was. I had a perspective of a father of heavenly father that I'd never had before. Because when we don't know Jesus, we are spiritually dead. And sometimes we get Jesus, but then we kind of go get sucked into isolation, do our own thing. And it's like, I, I know a lot of Christians that say like my face on life support. And to know that that's how Jesus would approach us is like, even if we can't hear him, we can't see him, we barely know he's there. He is right there in your face. I love you, son. I believe in you. And so it fundamentally changed my perspective of the father's heart. And the Bible says that he's a better father than I am. Wow. So if my fight for my kid was at that level and my righteous anger to see him not only get out of that hospital, but to shock and awe people, I know God wants that for my life. And it changed, it changed everything. Wow. There it is. <laughs> Let's land That's on so that. Good. <laughs> wow. Jeez. What, what, so one question, what's your, what's your soundtrack? Like, uh, what, what do you listen to? Oh, that's good. <laughs> I, I don't mean of this to be ben, mean. I don't ben. mean this to be mean, but I do not listen to Caleb. Like I don't oh, need, come on. Yes. I don't need artists who are talking about their, you know, melancholy processing life inner, you know, like what, how do I feel about it? Like I need faith filled music, man. I need songs that talk about Jesus winning, mm. you know? Remind me that he's my king. He's the final say. So I just say, you know, nothing wrong with, I guess, people, Christian artists exploring like the the journey and talking sure. about some of the struggles, but like make sure the majority of your praise and worship is not focused on you. It's on him. It's mm -hmm. not focused on how you're processing your walk. It's focused on who he is and what he does and mm -hmm. what he's about. And it's based in the scriptures because mm. that's the, our weapon is the word, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It's yeah, not yeah. my emotions. Like I never can come to the devil and be like, devil, I feel sad. He's like, good. I like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like mm -hmm. devil, you mm -hmm. need to, I like to remind him what God said about him. Hey, just remember you lost buddy. That's You're right. losing. You yep. thought the cross was your greatest victory. You screwed up royally, you know? So mm -hmm. that would be my thing is like faith-filled, man, faith-filled. I, I completely agree with the Caleb thing. <laughs> I was in the car and listening to Caleb with my wife and it was just kept saying like, I'm broken, I'm broken. Oh, and I was like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm hurting right now, but like, I don't want to keep saying that. It made <laughs> right. me feel worse mm. <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, it's like we've gotten stuck in that mentality. Yeah, it was like a victim. It's like a yeah. seeker thing. Like, oh, people might turn on the radio and they'll be like, oh yeah, I do feel like that. And then they're like, oh, well, let's pepper in a little, but Jesus loves you, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, like maybe it has its place. I, I personally just, I'm not growing from it. But like, it comes a point where you've like, give your life to Jesus. And you just start to fill your life with like, this is what heaven looks like. This is what God looks like. Mm. And, and, mm -hmm. and you get, you just move so much past it. Like God didn't go to the cross and free you from all your sin and give you mercy every day new. You know, you looked at 
guys, you looked at porn last night. You can wake up and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. And boom, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Mm -hmm. He doesn't care anymore. He's not giving you access to that kind of unbridled grace for you to just sit around and keep talking about how you struggle every other week and go fall off the wagon. He's saying like, get past that, get a big enough life that you don't have time for that. Get it, get, start dating your wife in a way that she, you know, She's excited to put on the outfits that yeah. get you going. You know, like, I think yeah. we need like another hour. So we just, <laughs> yeah. let's just keep going. Sorry, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but yeah, like get past the whole, like, it's, it's, what am I feeling? Like, it's good, man. Like, it, yeah. Feel, like, don't let, as men, this is another thing. Don't change this about men. I'm sorry, I'll stop. No, no, you're good. No. We can compartmentalize our feelings. So we are not supposed to be led by our feelings. We have wives that can remind us how the situation should make us feel. We absorb that. That's wi There's wisdom there, but we're doers, man. So get some songs in your soul that remind you on, Jesus yep. wins and yep. I'm on his team. Let's go. Yeah, I'm that's good. so good. Um, Pastor Matt, we just want to thank you like, yes. from the bottom of our heart yes. that mm -hmm. not only were you our first guest, I, I, how do we go from here? Like, I, I, there, there's a challenge for us right now. That I'm like, yeah, I feel good. like, man, what am, I've been sharing is nothing compared with this yeah you know oh, so but, we gotta find we gotta find those people that you know if you like this just give us uh you know a hint on the on our instagram you know yeah absolutely Send us information we want to know how what what you need what you're getting what you are not getting what would you like the show to look like or the podcast to look to look like um let us know yeah absolutely and that was that's so well the uh, just the best way to end it because this is what the show is about hearing from men who have walked through some stuff, come out on the other end, and are still moving, still putting one foot in front of the other. Um, and then what's interesting is you you can now pull from this scenario for the rest of your life. Yep. Right? Remember when this happened. Remember when this happened. And it just, I just love it. So um, anyway, so yeah, we just want to thank you from the bottom of our heart oh, thank that you, you were the first, maybe the best guest ever. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm just going to, you know. Um, but that's been episode 16. Uh, if you have any questions for Pastor Matt, of course, we want to respect his time, but you can DM us um, and then we will see if we can get some stuff answered. Um, I don't want to put you out there like that. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> you're good. You're good. But uh, that's been episode 16. Make sure to check us on Instagram. Uh, you can check us on all podcast platforms. Leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you're thinking. Um, and as Abe said, DM us on thoughts, questions, you know, maybe who you'd like to see us get on the show. Um, but this is just that that next step we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing way more interviews um, because you heard us talk for a bunch. So now yeah. we're going to find some amazing men uh, who have been through the renovation stage in their life or continuing to go through that. So uh, anyways, this is us. Peace.